Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven channel. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Jake Grant. We're like Michael and Job. Uh, oh, uh, I love you, man. <laughs> no. Oh, are you serious? TV show. Michael and Job. Michael and Job. I don't know. I'm, uh, I thought for sure I had it with I love you, man. That, is, that him, is a good one. Doesn't he call him Job? Jobin or Jobin? Something? <laughs> yeah, you are right. No, uh, it's Arrested Development. I've never watched that show. Do yourself a favor. We're watching Community right now. Oh God, that's watching. yeah. Okay, so we're like Troy and Abed. <laughs> Dude, those are by far. <laughs> I started teaching. Funny backstory about that. They have a secret handshake, Troy and Abed, for anybody that hasn't watched Community. And I started teaching my four-year-old how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like their their TV show, Troy and Abed Troy in Venom. the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the cameras? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Season three in the books. Weird. I can't. I mean, what a weird season. But for you and I, man, three years doing this show and it has been a blast. It's been a long three years, people. It's been a, it's been a very weird three years and nothing weirder. I mean, we've covered a lot in those three years. We've covered BCS game, or BCS, um, uh, New Year's Six Bowls. We've covered uh, the, the end of the Chris Peterson era. And then of course this weird 2020 COVID year. Um, and you know, the, the, things just keep coming. Uh, and I think the biggest news for Washington fans, there's a lot of news that's going on around the conference, but I think the one we got to start with is the departure of coach Pete Kwiatkowski heading to Texas to double his pay and lower his um, house payment hmm. uh, to go to uh, meet up with Steve Sarkeesian at the university of Texas. Jake, your thoughts. Yeah, this one's a little bit bittersweet for myself. Um, anybody that listens to the show knows that te- the Texas Longhorns are my number two. Yeah. I've liked them. I mean, uh, I mean, just a few short years less than I have loved my my Washington Huskies. Um, it's the only and, other sweatshirt I've I saw I've, I've ever see, seen you wear as a right, Texas right. I mean, I I bleed purple and gold, but you know, I burn burnt orange. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I love Coach K. Um, he is a native to the Pacific Northwest. He loves it here, but you can't blame a guy that has the ability to go to a school with endless funds, with endless open door opportunities for a guy that. Washington was probably never going to do anything other than be a D coordinator. Um, He could have gotten a job, a head coaching job at some point somewhere. There has been rumors swirling that um, Jimmy Lake had his thumb on coach K all last year. And which is a tough spot for him to be in because let's not forget Husky fans that coach K was the defensive coordinator before Jimmy Lake. And he had that role by himself and he gave up co and then defensive coordinator to Jimmy Lake, knowing that Jimmy Lake was the future of this football team. So for him to leave, I don't think it was just the money. And I don't, I honestly don't think it was 
mostly the money. I think most of it was the open door opportunities that he's going to, it's going to be a rotating door of opportunities for him as long as that coaching staff succeeds at Texas. Right. And I think that you're, you're definitely onto something when it comes to, he was the D coordinator. He went to co-defensive coordinator. Jimmy Lake was calling the shots. And then of course the moving on of Chris Peterson, elevating coach Lake, which um, by all accounts from everything that I've ever seen, read or heard is coach K doesn't really have that um, desire to be a head coach. So it was a good transition, but you know, you think of like, Peterson and Kukowski, the offensive guy, the defensive guy. Now you have a defensive guy and a defensive guy. And it's, it's not that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but the defense is going to be run by the head coach. If he's a defensive minded head coach. So I don't, I don't know if Kukowski was necessarily looking for another job from what Sarkeesian said is that was the best defense he ever played against when he was calling plays at Alabama, when they played Washington in the, um, in the uh, peach bowl. Peach bowl. Yeah. Um, and which is mad ex- props, huge props. Yeah. And with a mostly freshman and sophomore led defense at that time um, with some juniors, but with a blank check to go out and, take Kwiatkowski from 1.1 million in the Seattle market to uh, over 2 million going down uh, to Arlington, which, I mean, Arlington's beautiful. Uh, Arlington is not the cheapest place to live in Texas, but it's Austin. still not comparable. Did I, what did I say? Arlington. Arlington. Yeah. Sorry. Austin. Um, not comparable to Seattle market. So, I mean, how do you not? Yeah. And you know, <laughs> anymore you couldn't call it the mecca of college football but really it's still ut you know it's it kind of is the mecca of college football they have their own tv network right you know they they have texas has been playing football since jesus christ walked the earth you know pretty sure it's a it's a real thing they they just like the sec they see football different in texas and i think it's a really good stepping stone for him and just it hurts my feelings because I I don't want to watch a defense at Washington without him. Yeah. And it's the fear of the unknown. However, I think there are some ways that Jimmy Lake could get creative here. If he's going to run the defense with some really good names that might help where the one place where I thought Kwiatkowski uh, didn't excel as, uh, as some other uh, coaches can is in the area of recruiting. Um, with that said, do you have any names that you're kind of watching for that, uh, could land this job? Um, no, no, I haven't, I haven't kept my thumb on the coaching carousel as much as I probably should. Um, I've, I've paid more attention to the Larry Scott thing than, than anything. Oh, we're going to get to that. Uh, Yeah. Um, so no, I'm going to leave that one up to you. So the first name that pops out um, in my mind is a guy that has a relationship with Jimmy Lake, um, who is a fantastic recruiter. And at the same time as Washington was pumping out some of the best defensive backfields in the, in the nation uh, was doing the same thing at Cal. And that's Gerald Alexander, who's now in the NFL. Uh, And uh, I think that if, 
if there, there has to be a phone call between those two to see if there's any mutual interest. Cause the way that he recruits uh, and then keeping with that uh, defensive back, you know, legacy here at Washington, that would allow Jimmy Lake to really become the mastermind of the defense and then also be the CEO of this program. Another one that's uh, a little bit under the, I mean, under the radar, and I don't know, another fantastic recruiter uh, is a is a, a defensive coach from, um, he was at Oregon, he's now at USC, and uh, where did his name go? Uh, Dante Williams, um, really, really good recor- recruiter at Oregon, also got a ton of really good players to commit to Oregon, and now USC. Uh, and then uh, I guess two more, one really under the radar guy. And I can't remember his name, the coastal Carolina defensive uh, defensive uh, coordinator uh, coastal Carolina had one of the better defenses, one of the best defenses in the, in the P five uh, or in the uh, group of five group of five. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one that really intrigues me is uh, Tosh Lupoy. Yeah. And, uh, dude can recruit. Yeah. Uh, he's in the NFL now. He's, He's not the thing that's different about him than Williams and Gerald Alexander is that he's not a defensive backs guy. And if Lake wants to be in, you know, keep that control of the defensive backs with Will Harris and all of that defensive line coach, top notch recruiter in the nation would be huge. I don't know if Washington wants to take that on, but it's at least a name to uh, keep your eye on. Well, and, and, I do agree with you that the recruiting aspect is probably the biggest as far as hiring a defensive coordinator. Uh, But you just hit it on the head with a guy like Tosh. It could be the one area that we've struggled in with this defense is uh, prior to this year was ETF is getting after the quarterback. Yep. So you let Jimmy Lake take control of those that secondary unit, which we guarantee that that unit's always going to be good under Jimmy Lake. But if you get a defensive coordinator, de- a defensive coordinator in there with the ability to rush the passer to go along with that secondary on a consistent year-to-year basis, I mean, you saw what that happened. What happened to this defense this year was ETF being able to get after the quarterback as much as he did. It just mm-hmm. made this defense that much better. Right. So with that ability to rush the passer paired with Jimmy Lake secondary would be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and, you know, just the, the recruiting acumen of somebody like him uh, makes me uh, really excited. I think if I were to rank who I, if I were in charge, it would go Gerald Alexander, Lou Poy. um, And then I would give a call to Williams and the guy from coastal Carolina. Moving on to, uh, the big news for the conference. We all saw it coming. Uh, I mean, it, it's too, it's, it's too late. Yeah. But they finally, you know, made the decision. The chancellors did. And um, Larry Scott will no longer be the conference commissioner um, after uh, I think it's June 30th. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. Um. You mentioned it. It's well past due. I had actually given up hope for the Pac-12 to fire him. Me too. And I thought that he was just going to sail off into the sunset when he was 85 years old and made millions and millions of dollars and and had 
drug this conference down so far that we weren't even a group of six, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it got to the point where I was losing all faith in us ever firing him. So the fact that we finally did it, like you mentioned way too late, just, there was so many negative things that he did to this. I, you always see commissioners getting booed in in the major leagues, right? You always see Goodell getting booed. You saw Bud Selig get booed all the time. You've never seen that in a conference champion game. A commissioner of a conference get absolutely ridiculed and booed by an entire fan base. And Larry Scott was that guy. Year Twelve in. fan bases. It didn't matter. Yeah, it did not matter who, what team it was. They hated Larry Scott because of what he's done to this conference. So I don't know. I mean, I'm on that Rick Neuheisel train. I don't know if you are. Are you pumping that? Are you pumping that train like I am, man? I think. Dude, we're too young to remember how bad it was when he was with Colorado and whatever, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I remember exactly what it was like when he was at Colorado. Excitement, baby. Dude, And he left Washington with a bad taste in our mouths, but he also had one of the best teams in Washington history, you know, and, and I, the, the way that he understands the game of football, understands the game of the media, all of that, it just, it just bleeds a perfect commissioner for this conference. Can I say, can I do my rant and then we can talk about moving forward? I mean, I already moved forward, so you, yes. I'm going to take us back just a minute. Take way back. I want to talk about the impact that uh, Larry Scott has had on uh, really the way that I view football. And and it's, the thing is, is like you and I both, we love the Pac-12. It's the 12 teams that make up this conference I have an affinity for outside of that one in Eugene. Uh, And whenever they put, I mean, SC, Stanford, Oregon state, Washington state, Arizona, Arizona state, any of those schools, Colorado, Utah, when they're playing somebody outside of this conference, Uh I'm rooting for them because I love this conference. And it, it just made me so mad. The narrative that Larry Scott has brought to this team and the way that they, he has ruined um, the 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 perception and the reality of this pro this this conference, making them down to, uh, I mean, by far the lowest of the Power Five, and I think that that's really such an indictment uh, of his leadership. And and it's so crazy to think that you know a handful of years ago the PAC 12 was talking about absorbing like Texas and some of those other teams from the big 12, they dodged a huge bullet. And uh, this search committee uh, made up of uh, Washington, Washington state. And I think the Oregon schools um, has to get this right because if not, we're going to be a group of six. Yes. And not only did we not reel in Oklahoma and Texas, but just what, 10 years ago, the big 12 was in the Pac-12 shoes on the verge of being in shambles and Texas and Oklahoma were basically asking to join the Pac-12. Yeah. And we, as in Larry Scott, 
messed that up so bad that Texas and Oklahoma were like, you know what, we're good. We're good here for now. You know, we'll right. figure it out later. But they were they were itching to come to the Pac-12. And we did such a bad job with that whole thing that we ended up losing out on two nationally recognized powerhouses. We, we, he's done nothing but spend the Pac-12's money on insignificant things like his rent in San Francisco, which is, as we all know, is the one place that's worse than Seattle as far as economy goes with the amount, the housing prices and the amount of unnecessary money that we spend for them to relax in San Francisco is insane. And then the cuts that they've made, uh, losing Mikey M I think is one of the biggest problems with this conference is you have a star you're the pac 12 faces the ones that make this palatable i would say are yogi roth and mike yam and you let half of them walk yeah you yeah you spent money on a broadcast network for the pac 12 that was not a surviving entity how you had to games, get it on other networks. How many games were played on how many football games were played on the Pac-12 network this year? Zero. Zero games. You have millions of dollars into a foot into a network made for the reason of watching college football, and you have zero football games on there this year. And you've that regional is, the thing is, even when there was games, they've regionalized regional. it where yeah. you have 7:30 p.m. kicks on Pac-12 yep. network yep. that I have Hulu now because I got sick of the PAC 12 network and I can watch the ACC network. I can watch the sec, the big 10, yeah, uh, it, it, the big 12. It, the only one the I don't thing. get is the big PAC 12. That's the thing too, is the, the PAC 12 network was only available on like two companies, like dish and Comcast Comcast. Did you get it on dish? Yep. I don't okay. think direct TV has it. No, I, that's the I, one that doesn't have it. It's, it's insane. That and so, is and like a, random streaming services. Yeah. 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 It's like, it, get out of here. I mean, it, I just, we need a commissioner to bring this conference back to relevancy for way less money. Do we go down the women's tennis association route again? No. Are you sure? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm with you. Uh, go out get somebody like Rick Neuheisel that has some charisma um, who's been in big spots before, uh, and uh, <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up. No, I there, there's so many people that have played for the Pac 12 that are charismatic guys that are good at business that yes. you could go real in. It, I mean, it's a I could think of a hundred Stanford guys. Look at the business schools that are in this Pac 12, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, there are so many of them, it's right. insane. Yeah, go get somebody else. Goodbye, Larry Scott. I hope to never hear your name again. Uh, yes, you are a you. Yes, thanks for nothing. You made my favorite conference a laughing stock. Okay, let's move on to the 2020 Washington Huskies season. Uh, the weirdest season that we will ever be a part of. Of course, we had. Uh, this uh, we ended up having three schedules this year, uh, the original one pre-COVID, then the post-COVID All Pac-12 10 game season, and then we ended up with 
what we got. And uh, Washington goes three and one on the season. They look good at points. They look, you know, pretty bad at some other points. Uh, they're a weird spot away from a possible loss to Oregon State. Yeah. They're, but on the other hand, they're almost a second come from behind victory from going four and oh. So, Jake, thoughts on this overall season? Uh, a lot of tale of two halves yeah. this season, right? Oregon State, your home opener, your your season opener. Um, you look great in the first half. How to run the ball and uh, made your defense look a little silly in the, in the second half. Utah, the exact opposite where you came out just getting punched in the mouth and ended up forcing turnovers against Utah to come back and win the game. What, 21-point deficit? Yep. Um, and then Stanford was really the other one that I, that I could think of off the top of my head that, you know, they kind of did the same thing. They punched us in the mouth, but just a little bit too hard in that first half where we couldn't come back in the second half. And, uh, you know, it just – if we could put a full game together, uh, the Arizona game was a complete game. Yep. Uh, that was also an Arizona – team that that might have been the worst Arizona team we've ever seen I thought that they were going to be a lot better I thought Grant Gannell was going to take that step forward this year and he ended up kind of looking worse oh my gosh Uh, I mean some of the faces that he was given during that Washington game well we were afraid going into that game after what they did to USC they all I mean they were a a missed interception away from winning hit dudes hands face hands again Mm -hmm. and then you know went out of bounds so um, yeah, I just a really weird year, but if you take a step back and, and you don't focus on those halves and you look at it as an entire picture, I'm super confident in this team, uh, moving forward. Uh, the defense again was phenomenal. We went, we took a step back in 2019, as far as defense goes, a lot of that was linebacker play. Once we figured out that Ulufusio was the real deal. And then we kind of got away from those linebackers last year. Um, this defense took another step forward again. You know, we always have good corners. Um, we had decent safety play this year. I wouldn't say great. Um, we our linebackers got a lot better this year. And the fact that we actually had a quarterback rush was ZTF huge. and, and Savelle Smalls was huge for this defense because teams couldn't just sit back in the pocket and, and know that they weren't going to get pressured. Um, offensively, 2020, I don't think that our offense is where it should be. Um, at the start of the year, I was a big proponent for Dylan Morris to win the starting job. Uh, moving forward, I'm going to be the first one off of the Dylan Morris train and onto the Sam Heward train. Hey, welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Um, I think Dylan Morris is just, he is what he is, right? Like we thought the same thing about Drake, Jake Browning. I think we actually said the same exact thing. I probably sure it was yep. pretty much me. Um, Dylan Morris is a good college quarterback and that's what he's going to be. And he's going to be consistent and he's going to put up consistent numbers. He's not going to turn the ball over. And that's what Jimmy Lake liked about him. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't get sacked. He runs an offense and he's kind of cold blooded, but he 
is only going to be what Dylan Morris is. And he's going to be an undersized quarterback with just a little bit of legs and a little bit of accuracy issues. And I don't think that that's just going to get fixed in one year. Moving forward, I want to see a quarterback like Sam Heward. And I'm sure we'll talk about 2021 in a little bit. That's my bad for going. I'm just talking about the offense, how right. it at points. Definitely an incomplete, right? It, yeah, it got a little stagnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, over every game I can remember. Right. Uh, there was a long stretches of stagnant offense, which isn't what you want in college football because college football is a high-scoring, high-paced, high-tempo right. uh, game. So for us to get stagnant wouldn't be good against teams like Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama that put points in bunches throughout the entire game. So looking back at our offense in 2020 – it was good. It wasn't great. And for us to take that next step, we need to, we need that offense to take that next big leap. Right. And, and we're going to go through uh, position by position here uh, and talk about where the strengths of that were and where the question marks moving forward. Uh, and we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. So what would you give the offensive line in 2020? You know, I have the most utmost respect for the offensive line. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give them an A for yep. the year. Yep. They probably didn't pave enough road for the running game, but I just saw a stat the other day that they gave up a sack on 1% of the possessions that they had this year. That's one sack out of every 100 snaps. That's yep. insane. That's such a great number. And it's a young offensive line. We just lost Trey Adams last year. Um, you know, we, we start a couple of new guys, start a new left tackle or left guard moves over to center. And it's, they looked phenomenal. I, yep. I saw Dylan Morris run for his life a couple of times. And that was a nice thing about him is he could escape the pocket, but man, this offensive line was fun to watch. <laughs> They're huge. They're big. They're fast. They move. They move. Uh, I'm giving them an A as well. And uh, it's because you can't road grade when there's nine in the box and you're calling fullback draw, uh, fullback dives. Yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do when, when it's second down and 10 and there's nine guys in the box that there's no, it doesn't matter there's five of you six. If you count your tight end, if you're in big seven, that's still too many, too many people to block. Uh-huh. So I, I, I put that a lot more on the offensive play call than I uh, play calling than I do on the offensive line. And I mean, that 1% that leads the nation um, in sack percentages. And uh, that's what you like to see. Absolutely. So, and they're all coming back uh, yep. every single one of them. So Jackson Kirkland, I think the most, uh, that was the one that probably surprised everybody the most because uh, he's definitely an NFL player, um, but he's coming back. Running back, this would be an interesting one. Yeah. What do you got? I'd probably give these guys a C minus, maybe a D plus. Um, Obviously we expected more games to be played, right? Mm-hmm. But for the little games that we did play to not see Richard Newton on the field for half of them, for half of them. Right. And do you know why yet? No. Either do I. I, I want answers on that, whether it was a disciplinary thing, because if it was a disciplinary thing, 
then their grade definitely drops to a D plus because that's bad on Richard Newton, who is a part of the running backs team. Um, Sean McGrew didn't look like the Sean McGrew of 2019. I don't know Uh, if that's his fault though. I know, but maybe it was more so the fact that he was being used more right um differently he was being used as a uphill runner as far as as, you know 2019 he was kind of like a specialty Mm -hmm. guy right um cam davis when he got in there he looked okay was hardly well the thing is he almost he got like something like 15 carries right kamari looked good at the start of the year and quickly fell back to the kamari that we saw in 2019 um also losing a lot of repetitions and snaps was Kamari. So I just was not impressed after seeing watching Miles Gaskin do what he did for four years in a row. Yeah. Seeing this this year was a little bit disappointing. Well, look at the line of running backs that have come through Washington in, you know, the last decade. And you have a you have a feature back every year. Yeah. You have a guy who's your workhorse, you have a thousand yard rusher. Yep. And if you look at the three that got the most amount of carries, you don't see a feature guy. You don't see Bishop Sankey, Chris Polk, Miles Gaskin, or a Savon Ahmed. Um, I, I'm going to go with a C as well. I think that uh, Sean McGrew uh, is not an every down running back. I think he should touch the ball a lot. I think he should be about a 15 touch guy a game, probably 10 of those as a running back uh and then you know um i'd actually go the opposite i'd like to see him catch 10 balls that you're just never going to see that out of a running back with that's not true and we're going to get to the receivers and i'm going to tell you why so um uh but you know kamari pleasant good in pass protection he made some plays i think he that that was his best year um, because you know, we've been pretty, pretty hard on him when it comes to falling after the first contact. And I thought that, uh, he played a little bit bigger this year. I would but say overall, early in the season he did what I would say early in the season. He did not I later. Mean, he, he made a play out of the backfield, catching the ball that, that won them that Utah game. Uh, when they, when he shed a, a blocker to get that first down on third down. So there's things that he did well, uh, I'm very excited to see if, if everything that we hear is Cam Davis is, is a kind of a program turner. And if that's true, if, if pass protection is what's keeping him back, they got to figure that out because we Washington, if they're going to run the damn ball, like the hat says, they have to be, they have to have a transcendent running back. And those three that we mentioned up top, I don't know if those guys are it. So, uh, I'm excited. I hope Caleb Berry's leg is healed when he gets there. Cause he's an intriguing prospect. He's yes, big and strong. Yes. Um, you also got Sam Adams hanging out yeah. there too. Who's a freak athlete himself. There's your 10 catches out of the backfield. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, he, and a year in, in Soha system. Yeah. Should be good to go. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with the C, uh, I really don't know what's going on with Newton. Um, I'm not going to go with rumors. Uh, so we don't know what's going on next. And this is interesting. Wide receiver. <laughs> I feel like everyone's interesting, Trevor. Dude, they uh, are because they're all, I mean, the offense is so incomplete outside of tight end. Yeah, no, I right. 
Yeah. Uh, can we just skip right past tight ends? <laughs> a. A. He's good. And they get they get Jacob Kaiser back next year, who's a fantastic blocker. Okay, right. let's go. Another year with Mark Redmond. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. Um, wide receiver is interesting. Uh, I would say a C minus again. Um, seeing drop balls out of Puka was weird. Uh, there was a couple of plays I remember from Ty Jones where I would have liked to seen a big six, four guy go up and get the ball yeah. instead. He's letting it come to him. Mm-hmm. Um, him leaving is weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so much, so much inconsistency from the wide receiver room. Yeah. Um, it just is so, and, 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 and uh, not a lot of spiker again. Um, I, I mean, I can't remember if he got on the field. Right. Uh, it's, it's just, it's the same thing over and over again. Right. Where even in last year with Bocelli and uh, Fuller were the only two guys that would catch balls, but they would drop them. Right. And it's the same thing going on again in 2020. I don't know what the case with the wide receivers is here, but um, we have a little bit of case of the drops and big inconsistencies. Um, and, I think a lot of it is probably play calling, just not getting them enough touches and routes and relying on them too much to block. But um, I don't know, man, I, not impressive this year. You know, and I'm going to, I think a C again is probably good and incomplete is probably obviously for all of these units is probably better. Yeah. But what I will say is Puka Nakua, Terrell Bynum, um, Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan create so much separation. Uh-huh. Uh, those guys are uncoverable uh, with Puka dropping the, the balls that he dropped. I mean, there were some in traffic, but the, the balls he dropped, he was, oh, he's wide open. Yeah. Terrell Bynum uses his body so well to get open. Obviously he hurt his wrist and, and wasn't able to uh, finish out the year, but the emergence of Roma Dunze and uh, Jalen McMillan, of course, both of them, dropped balls but they're true freshmen right the fact that they were getting so open as true freshmen shows you where they're at in their development their athleticism and uh i'm getting ahead of myself because i think finally next year we're gonna see the wide receiver group explode well and let's not forget that next year jalen and rome will still be true freshmen yes so i it just Another year with them is going to be phenomenal. I, I think that they're going to blossom. Yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if Roma Dunze sticks around for three years. I mean, that kid is freaking good. Really good. I, him and Jalen both, I think. The more exposure they get, I think yeah. Husky fans are going to really grow accustomed to watching them succeed. Right. And if they don't, if those two don't succeed, then good luck ever trying to recruit another wide receiver ever again. Right. Because, I mean... I, those those four, Bynum, Puka, Puka and yep. and then those two. I mean, that it, and they're not small guys either. I mean, no. we're talking we're talking uh, six plus feet. They are um, exactly what we talked about when they needed to level up, right? Three, four years ago, with what we wanted out of the wide receivers was to get above six foot with yeah. speed, and yeah. that's exactly our those guys, right? Um, so we already said tight ends, obviously a, I can't believe that, uh, Kate Otten's coming back. Thank you so much. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> Dear Lord, baby Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that was huge. That was um, huge. Santa, Santa brought me my Christmas wish. So thank you. Hey, and it's a, it's either a late Christmas present or an early Christmas present. We'll it doesn't take. matter. So uh, let's move on to quarterbacks. Uh, I'm going to give Dylan a B plus. Right I think there. that's a fair grade. I like we talked about before. I think he's a really good quarterback and I think he did really well, especially as a, as a um, redshirt freshman, you know, getting thrown into this position as the starter and um, rumor was he wasn't going to be the starter. It was going to be Kevin Thompson, but Kevin Thompson got hurt and that threw Dylan Morris into the, into the mix. And he came out and succeeded and he had in a shortened year, he had Washington in the PAC 12 title game. And if it wasn't for God, they won the North. We keep forgetting that they did they won we, the North. We won the North. Um, if it wasn't for uh, Washington's protocol on the COVID situation, we would have been playing in the PAC 12 championship. Oh, and, we would have destroyed USC. Uh, after watching that game, we would have dismantled USC. Yeah, and then and then we would have been in another BCS bowl game. I called it a BCS bowl game, a New Year's Six bowl game. That was on me. That, yeah, that I, was I set fault. that trend. I think I still call it a BCS bowl. It is a BCS bowl. Yeah. Um. So good, not great. Yeah, I I think that's. I mean, a a B plus is is a good score. I think for where he was, it's very there. There's shades of Jake Browning, like you were talking about, yeah. where the shackles were definitely on him because he has more in the tank. But he showed some stones. Um, I mean, he tied that game up against Stanford, uh, but a, a holding call brought it back. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, I I mean, he's he's got the attitude, he's got the brains, and uh, he's a very very good college quarterback. You hit it on the head. That kid reminds me so much of Jake Browning. Yeah. The way that he plays, the the footwork, the the mm-hmm. ability to run, the, those two were two peas in a pod. Yeah. And especially one of the things I really liked the in season, uh, it, did you notice that his arm slot came up um, yeah. after that first game where he got a lot of balls batted down? Um, he sw- he he his um, his arm slot raised up, which was really helpful for him. Um, now on to the defense. Now this is going to be interesting. Just like I've said every freaking time, defensive line. I'm going to give the defensive line a B plus. Okay. Uh, I think they played really, really well. Um, really young. Sam Taimani uh, looked at times a little bit out of shape. Obviously he's going to be a big boy all the time, but he mm-hmm. looked like he was gassed and we needed to rotate him. Uh, not having, was it led to gas now? Yeah. Uh, Tuli Legasanoa was, uh, he played very him, little. Yeah, early in the year, hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. He obviously would have probably taken Sam Taimani's starting spot, but we would still had a rotation of guys going. Would have been huge. Yeah, I mean that would have been so beneficial for that defensive line. But I don't think they played bad. They got pushed back a lot against Stanford. Yes. That's the one game that I would not give them a passing grade. But other than that, I think the rest of the year they played really well. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely some issues. You saw the the flashes of brilliance. And the thing is, is those guys were supposed to be watching this year. Yeah. You, you, uh, the four guys up front, including the off uh, outside linebackers, all four of the starters 
were not there in some capacity. Levi Owen Wuzurike was gone. Joe Tryon was gone. Leia Tulatu and then Tuli Latua Gasanoa. So you're talking your second stringers. And And he still played phenomenal. Yeah, second, third stringers. Jacob Bandis is a stud. And you saw him make plays, but you also saw him get blown up. Yeah. Because it's very hard to play close to the line of scrimmage because you're playing against grown men who have been in the weight room in colleges for four, five years. That's really, really hard to do. So Justin Tuatele played really, really well um, at points. Jacob Bandis played well at points. Sam Taimani played even better at points. Yeah. Um, but you noticed when Thule was in better. It was a happened. different, yeah, it was a different defensive line for sure. Yeah. Um, outside he has the ability to collapse the pocket by himself. Oh, I mean that fourth down um, against uh, against Stanford, he was in, mm-hmm. and he got that stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. They never stopped Stanford, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Outside linebackers. I mean, do you give this? Outside linebackers, do you call it the ZTF award? Because you got to give them an A. Um, (laughs) I mean, first time in years, you've seen consistent pressure all year. The only game he didn't was Stanford, but that was Stanford's ability to completely control the game by the run. When you don't have to, when you don't have to drop back, you don't get sacked. Yeah. They just took ZTF away and that wasn't his fault. That was a a, a nightmare. Uh, it was last year in 2019. It was this year in 2020. So it just is one of those things. But, I mean, uh, you saw uh, flashes of greatness from Savelle. You can tell that that dude is going to be an absolute beast. Um, I'd like to see him take a step forward moving on. Uh, and you know but, well. I mean, he has to. I mean, it's learning from ZTF. I, like you said, ZTF wasn't even a starter this year. And watching – what he did, he there's no way he's not a starter next year. Right. You know, you have to give that guy the opportunity to go out and do what he did in 2020. Could you imagine what he would have done with a full season? I mean, it would have been stupid, his numbers. Oh, he could. I mean, he had a chance to break the NCAA record if they played 12 games. Yeah. So, uh, a very good chance. Yeah. So I give them an A. Yeah. I'm with you. And the thing is the, what really hurt this defensive line as a whole is when Ryan Bowman missed the last two games of the yep. season, because he is so good against the uh-huh. run. Uh-huh. And uh, Savelle Smalls was, was decent against the run. Um, I can't remember which game it was, but he got blocked in the back. Like every play he would be, yeah. he would beat the right tackle and the right tackle would push him. <laughs> insane it was crazy yeah so i mean the amount of depth that we were worried about but having a dominant guy we haven't seen something like that since uh, i mean joe tryon for for bits of the end of last yeah. season but you have to go back to joe mathis yeah or so, heroly kakaha exactly yeah. a little bit even before that like 2014 so we're talking four years since since Washington has had somebody like ZTF. And the thing is, is Leitu Latu was starting over him. Yeah. So like, who knows that that rotation next year is going to be really, really fun to watch. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, that's, you talk about chefs. All four of them are back. You talk about chefs in the kitchen, man. That is a plethora 
you, you better find time and sacks for all of them. Oh yeah. You got it. You got to find a rhythm. Yep. Yep. And that's going to be up to the new defensive coordinator and Jimmy like, <laughs> um, inside linebacker. I'll give them a, Oh my gosh. Can I get, <laughs> can I give two separate grades? <laughs> you kind of, I mean, you have to, it's, I'm yeah. going to give it. I'm going to give Edifon an A plus because yeah. I think that dude is an absolute monster. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to give Jackson Sermon a D. Mm-hmm. I think that he, if you paired Edifon with somebody like um, who 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 was the who was the other inside linebacker when Azim Victor was here. Oh, Keyshawn Bieria. Yeah, Keisha, if you paired him with somebody like Keyshawn Bieria, who was almost just as much of a tackling machine as Azim Victor was, yeah, the, the inside linebacking core may be the best Washington's ever seen. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, I thought Jackson Sermon played well at times. I'm not going to go as low down as a D. I'll give him a oh, C plus. My goodness. How could you not? Because I'm a I'm a fourth grade teacher, so I'm kind of an easy grader. <laughs> Because, uh, but, but you are right. Like he, he looked slow at times. He looked like he was getting blown back at times instead of blowing up. Um, getting tackles backwards. But like, my question is, is how long do, how long does this coaching staff stick with those two? Cause I mean, Edifon, he's going to be the starter here until he moves on to the NFL. Well, what's wrong with trying out hammer? I know that's what, that's my, that's my thought is, uh, and Haimuli looking at him, he looked like even sleeker than he did in high school yeah. and, and faster. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and I think, I think Haimuli probably fits that other inside linebacker role a lot better than like a Josh Calvert does where I picture Josh Calvert being, the, the Edifon spot where he, where the fun, the tackles are funneled towards uh, Josh Calvert, just because mm-hmm. I think that his football brain is so spectacular yeah. uh, where Haimuli can just run around and be a freak athlete and just make plays. But how, uh, I guess my question is how long does this coaching staff stiff stick with somebody when you have three middle linebackers that um, are all just so immensely talented with Haimuli Calvert. I mean, it's gotta be an open, it's gotta be an open job next year, right? It has to be. Obviously Edifon is the starter, right? You locked that one in regardless. You gave him a scholarship because you know, he's going to be your starter. Right. Or else you wouldn't have, right? He's going to be an all American candidate. Yes, for sure. So he is locked in at that starting job. Nobody's even going to touch that. So we can just throw Josh Calvert out. Right. In both of our opinions, as far as a starter, no, I think he. I think that middle linebackers, the amount of athleticism that those guys have, they can play either position. Okay, fair enough. Um, so it has to be an open. It has to be an open job next year for the other, for Jackson Sermon spot. It has to be. Yeah. And if it truly is, I don't think he's the starter for this team next year. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought he was going to be this year either. And uh, uh, just like most of my predictions of this year have been absolutely incorrect. What happened to Will Latu? Will Latu? Was it Latu? He's an uh, no, outside Latu Latu. No, uh, who was the other one? MJ Tafisi. Yeah, MJ Tafisi. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned him. 
Um, all right. Now we got cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give these guys an A. I'm going <laughs> to, for the, the rest of time, yeah. I, you just have to give Washington cornerbacks an A. I, I think, I think Keith Taylor was so overshadowed by Trent McDuffie. It's unreal. And Elijah Molden, he's an NFL player. Because we both had a man crush on Keith Taylor coming yeah. into the year, talking about how he's the greatest cornerback ever to live. And Trent McDuffie absolutely outplayed him. Yeah. It, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. and Keith Taylor didn't play that. No. Uh, and then to one up you on that, Elijah Molden just outperforms everybody from the start of time. He's the best, best player in the conference. Best player on either side of the field all across the conference. Yes. It's not even close. Elijah Molden is by far the best football player in the Pac-12. Yeah. He's I, probably a top 20 in the nation. I can't think of, oh, I, I, I put him in the top 10. Um, I don't know if I can name another player in the Pac-12 that was more uh, valuable or better. You could talk him. Thibodeau for Oregon, maybe. No, he was, he was, uh, ZTF was better. ZTF was better. You're right. Uh, yeah, I, the cornerbacks, even, even Slovis, yeah, no, dude throws ducks. No. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't put anybody in front of Elijah Molden. I just think losing him is gonna, is gonna hurt. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if he doesn't go in the first round after all of his pro days and everybody looks at it, it's, it's an absolute joke. A plus corners. Yep. Safeties. Um, I'll go. Ooh, see, these ones are these guys are interesting. Yes. I, I, I almost feel like I just went too high right off the jump. I want to say probably a C plus. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe B minus. Uh, there were times where Asa Turner looked a little bit, um, like he's thinking too much. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of the Jackson Sermon type. Yeah, you know, um, because he can the, lay the wood, and we saw it at points. Yeah, and I just think that he he kind of looks like a lost pony out there. You know, we're just kind of galloping around at points. But I think there's moments where man, I that interception that he had was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think he's got, uh, these safeties, man, their, their only job on this defense is just not letting anything over the top. Right. Enforce and don't let anything over the top. Yeah. yeah and, and they did mostly that this year. Yeah. So uh, there was a couple of games where they let a couple of touchdowns get past them. The Utah game. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think they played pretty well. Cam yeah. Williams, ah, dude, I still I have hope for that kid. I, I do really... too. That's that's the thing that really interests me is Alex Cook is is moving on. Um, you got Kyler Gordon who play play improved when he went into that uh, into the back. Yeah. Um, but you have, I mean, it's an open competition still, even with Asa Turner. Yeah. Um, for sure. But. You'd think Kyler Gordon. So Dominic Hampton is is that next. He's like the Jordan Miller who has been in the program for a while, but he's a stud. And Julius Irving. Yeah, when he finally plays, um, Julius Irving. We'll see what what happens there. Um, 
looked, you know, obviously when the second unit's in, it's always not, never going to look as good, but you know, he's going to compete. He'll be a junior next, uh, this, this coming year. Um, I just, Cam Williams, the top end talent in Cam Williams yeah, is so stupid. high. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, he played in, in garbage time against uh, Arizona. Uh, and you could tell that he was amped to be out there. He, he ran past a, a tackle that, you know, usually that he would break down and make because we saw how good he could be. Yeah. So there's a question mark. I think that's probably the biggest question mark on this defense going into next year is uh, the safety position. And the There's thing a ton of talent there. And, and my guess is with how many defensive backs coach, and then of course a defensive backs coach at the head, they're going to figure out the right combination. And the thing with safeties too, is you need unity, right? Yes. Just like you do yes. with the inside you linebackers. Yes. You need two guys that are out there all the time and know each other like you and I, right. you know, guys that always spend the day together and they finish each other's sandwiches. Yeah. They, <laughs> they know exactly where the other one's going to go mm-hmm. and what's going to, you know, what's going to happen. And and you need that unity back there because that is the last line of defense. So I'm regardless putting, of who it is next year, they need to be a pair. I'm putting, I'm putting Cam Williams and Asa Turner in a, in a dorm together in 2021. Yeah. And just make them live together and be best friends. Yeah. He bag each other's drum sets. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you sweaty? (laughs) Watching cops. So I, I, you know what, Jake, I think we're going to keep it right there. Um, We're going to get into 2021 here uh, probably next week. It's, it's crazy. We're almost at the end of January and spring football is just a couple of months away. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, we're going to be doing some stuff with sports illustrated around the spring preview. Hopefully uh, there Perfect. definitely will be spring practice. My guess is we're probably not going to have a big crowd at Husky stadium yet. Um, but it's all leading up to uh, you know, this is, this is the end of the book of 2020 and we're going to start opening that book of 2021. So of course, before we go uh, the easiest thing that we have to do is give MVPs um who's your mvp i just drooled on him for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> i'm going elijah molden man the guy's the elijah. best player the guy's the best player i i can remember watching at washington for a long time yeah maybe maybe since Tui. <sighs> man his his impact on the defensive side of the ball was uh i don't know if we're gonna see that yeah um well, since you took him, I'm going to go Kate Rotten on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, you are. Yeah. I thought you were going to go ZTF. I was, but I figure you did defense. I'll do offense. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. ZTF gets his own award. Man, the only reason I disagree with that pick is because I I think they should have used him more right. early in games. Absolutely right. And that is my only bummer on that. Yeah. Well, what a year. Uh, we we had a lot of really, really cool ex Huskies on this show. Jordan white Frisbee helped me out here. Walter Bailey. We had, um, Alameda to Amu. We had, uh, yeah. Deandre Campbell. 
Um, am I missing any that we had? I think that was it because uh, we had too many COVID cancellations. We had others ready to go. Of course, we got to thank Mike Martin and Kayla Olin for our picks show. <laughs> and I think most of all, Jake and I, uh, we thank our awesome wives, Casey and Miranda, for letting us do this way too much. <laughs> I will agree with that. We do. Uh Thank you for everybody. Thank you for our sponsors this yes. year. Thank you. Uh, my Sam biggest Cotton. Mercury my, Coffee. My biggest thank you goes out to Trevor. It's been a it's been a it's been a year. That's all I can say. It's just been a year. We're a year older, <laughs> a year heavier, and a year closer. Year heavier is right. I'm working that nine out of ten, Dad Bob. <laughs> all right. Well, for the last time for 2020, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>